The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Your new or existing home is one of your most important assets, yet too many people rely on sites, shows, and tips from people who are not in the real estate business when making important decisions. It's time to get real and trust a professional. This is Real Real Estate Today with host Deb Tomorrow. In this series, you'll learn about making smart decisions when it comes to buying a home, selling a home, or even staying in the home you're in. Now, here is your host, Realtor Deb Tomorrow. All right, welcome, welcome, welcome to another exciting edition of Real Real Estate Today. I am your host, Deb Tomorrow. If you're not following us on Facebook, you should. There's good stuff there. Um, there was a great little tip I posted, or a, a video from HGTV I posted this morning about taking just a plain cardboard box and making it into like this really gorgeous storage box, you know, like for towels in your bathroom or whatever. Really cool. Just like that. Just like that. Okay, I'll have to watch it. Oh, yeah, now I'm going to be going and getting the necessary supplies. i got to find my glue gun that I've never used. You should have Rachel video that, and no, then she can post that goodness, on your page. Right? It'll be one of those Pinterest fails. Yeah. Probably is what it'll end up looking like. Oh, my gosh. Anyways, uh, so that's Deb Tomorrow Realtor, if you're looking for us on Facebook, which you should. Um, and the voice, the other voice that you heard is Karen Rastel, who is the best damn lender in the state of Indiana. Hi, Karen. Hello. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me back. Karen's with Brew Off. You've been there a month now. A month have. and a half. Um, yes. Yeah. Yes. Brew off home mortgage. They're treating you well. They are. I don't need it's to go fantastic. kick anybody's ass or anything. No. Okay. No, nope, not good. at all. Got to take care of my girls. Uh, so we weren't here last week. I was in the lovely, uh, hilly, hilly, hilly country of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. It's so <laughs> it's hilly. Have you now. ever been there? It <laughs> no, is crazy hilly. It's just crazy hilly. And all the houses are built on hills, which stress me out. Um, just because. I See, know. if I lived there, then I wouldn't be able to have like a stick shift vehicle. No, it's because crazy hills. Because it'd be like living in San yeah. Francisco or somewhere. Yeah. Like I'd be scared to park. Right. Right. Crazy okay. hills. But anyways, so we ran a rerun last week, which was about multiple offers. And then I spent the uh, rest of last week uh, in multiple offer hell. So I need to go back and listen to that episode to figure out what I'm doing wrong. <laughs> Everything right now in our market, and I know a lot of other markets are like this too, it's just cutthroat and go into multiple offers. I mean, <clears throat> I was telling you before we went on the air that there was a house that came on the market Friday afternoon, late afternoon. And it was perfect for some clients of mine. And I sent them a text message and I said, oh, f, f word. I did curse. They're friends of mine too. And I said, your perfect house just came on the market. And they're leaving for spring break at like 2 a.m. the next morning. Mm-hmm. And so we went over and looked at the house at 9 o'clock Friday night and, uh, and wrote an offer that night for more than list price. And we didn't get it. And then the same thing happened on Sunday too. Like wrote an offer, more than list price, didn't get it. 
are they like that the house on Friday? Do you think that they're waiting just to see what kind of offers are coming in because it just went on the market? No, or? they got another. I mean, they got multiple offers within 24 hours. And they just, oh my gosh. And so they just picked the best one. Mm. Well, good thing. And it's crazy. Not a good thing, but at least your clients are going on vacation. They're not right. Can, like, well, and they're wonderful people, so that yeah. helped a lot too. But I felt bad. I cried. Uh, <laughs> I, oh my gosh. I'm very upset. My head I just really hard. around like, poor, poor. I worked really hard to get that one. Like, Deb doesn't cry. I mean, it was like we were like in pajamas, you know, uh, Friday night ready to kick back. And it was like, we have to go right now. Pitch dark. Go show this house in the pitch dark. Mm. You know, anyways, I think it's all going to work out. But uh, it always does. You know, it doesn't kill people, but it's just disappointing. So, um, anyways, that's our market. And I know that's a lot of markets. Too bad. Too bad the other agent or, you know, can't say, you know what? You were like in second place. So, you know what I mean? Well, I'm sure I was. So, here's what we did. Can you be like a backup? Well, yeah, we've talked about that. But on Sunday... The one that we didn't get, they said, do you want to be backup? Well, we had started having this conversation with my client. I said, I don't know how much over list price we have to go anymore. <laughs> it's right. like this new uncharted territory that we're in, in this stinking market. I mean, I've been doing this for 10 years. And, you know, last year, if you went $500 over list price, you're pretty good. Apparently, that's not enough this year. And so she was like, do you want to be a backup offer at the same terms as the primary offer? And I was like, yeah, <laughs> only because I wanted to know what those terms were. Yeah. We don't want to be backup offer. I probably need to get back to her and tell her that. Okay. They, so they countered back, and it was only like $500 more than us, maybe $1,000 more than us. Okay. So, it, you know, but it was like I'm just trying to figure out, like, what is it? What is, what's what's enough now to go over a list? And, and then you got to worry about appraisals. Yeah. And then you got to worry about. You know, and now I'm starting to understand some of these markets that had wild swings back, you know, like Vegas back in the, you know, early 2000s. And then you turn around in a couple of years and maybe you can't sell it because, you know, you way over overpaid and the market isn't appreciating that much. It's just kind of it's it's interesting. And I guess my point here is that, you know, as real estate professionals, you always have to sort of keep learning and keep analyzing what's going on. I definitely don't want your job. <laughs> Because, you know, what worked last year isn't working this right. year. So it's just, I don't know. So I've been spending a lot of time kind of like reevaluating, like, okay, well, what will work? And uh, trying to figure that out. But anyways, so we are on spring break this year, this week. This year? Yes, this we are. This week. Year, right? I, I noticed when I came over here and the parking lot was a little bit empty. Yeah. I could park wherever. I almost parked sideways. Yo, nice. uh, but I corrected it. Okay. Yeah. Well, the yeah, it's like uh, when I was driving around yesterday on Monday, it felt like the weekend, like Saturday, like there was nobody in town, mm-hmm. nobody on the roads. So, because the university is out and the schools are out. I don't know if Ellisville, our suburb of Ellisville, they, they are, are too. Yes. So everybody's out this week. So we're going to have to go eat at restaurants that we don't normally eat at because they're usually too crowded and there's no parking. Yes. So Lenny's, here we come. <laughs> uh, let's see. And next week is our one-year radioversary. Oh, that's a good one. Can you believe that? There needs to be like a meme or some type of image for that. Um, thinking we might drink heavily next week? Oh, we could, yeah, we yeah. could do that. Robitussin. I'm just thinking of, I'm looking at you, thinking of the <laughs> picture that we could put up. Why, why do you think of me and Robitussin? No, remember that time that it was, uh, you were so sick and mm-hmm. coughing, yeah. and that we had Robitussin and everything else for your cough lined up lined up and I took a picture of you Robitussin I'm sure there was some inhalers and steroid things Mm -hmm. yeah yeah good times (laughs) 
Well, I'm glad that's what you think of. When no, I was just thinking I could make that, I could take that photo, I still have it, make it into a meme about your radioversary. I bet no. No. <clears throat> that's a great idea. It's to get back at being on Facebook Live. Oh, yeah, without... we should repost that. <laughs> no, let's Facebook not. Live without giving Karen no. a heads up so she could do her hair. Okay, well, so we're going to have to think of something big, and, and I don't know, it may be just a free-for-all. We might just do this for an hour. We, we could do we this. We could just chit-chat. We could do this. We could talk about other realtors. Just kidding. No, let's not do <laughs> no, that. No, we don't want to do that. No, they're all very nice people. Well, today, I love how um, Rachel put out there, uh, if you saw on Facebook, uh, a picture of the village people. Because I always send her an email to tell her what the show's about so she can do some of the promo work. And I said, oh, it takes a village. I'm looking so, at it now. Okay. Of course, her mind goes, it takes a village to buy a house or it takes a village to sell a house. And we're going to talk about who those people in the village are. And, of course, she goes to village people. It's perfect. Yeah. I keep going to Sesame Street. That is so you weird. Know the song? Who, what is it? I don't even know the song. No. Who are the people in your neighborhood? In your neighborhood? In your neighborhood? I don't know why. I've been singing that song in my head for three days. So that is what we're going to talk about today is sort of a high-level overview of who all those people are. I found this article the other day, and I had seen it before, and it exhausts me just to think about. But there's a list that's been circulating, and it outlines all the things that a realtor does to get a home sold. And here's what it's called. Have you ever seen this? I've seen it, uh, yes. <clears throat> Your real estate transaction in 180 steps. <laughs> What your realtor does for you. I don't know if I've ever read an article or it was spelled out like that, but uh, one of the websites had like a photo. It was like a picture. I'm back on the memes again. And it had all these different words, you know, like captured like what you did. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Sometimes yeah. you're, you're not just a negotiator. You right. could be a counselor right. to some people because they're devastated right. or whatever. It goes on and on. And this isn't even that kind of stuff. This doesn't even talk about dealing with, you know, buyers who are stressed out and, you know, the phone calls to kind of try and keep them calm. This is like legit things that you have to do to get a transaction close 180 so I read that this morning, and then I just went back to bed. And I was like, <laughs> I'm tired, just reading it. But it made me think about um, all the things that uh, happen in a real estate, real estate transaction and how a lot of the buyers and sellers don't even know that. And it made me think, um, and I know you've done this before. We haven't done it in a long time, but we used to teach a lot of homebuyer classes to first-time homebuyers. I loved doing that. And, and I had the class split up into five sections. Right. And in each section, there was a top tip. So the first section, we talked about preparing to buy a home. And the top tip was to avoid disappointment and discouragement by getting pre-qualified with your lender before you start to look. And the second one was how you search for a new home and the different websites that you look at and kind of how that process works. And my top tip there was to trust your gut when something felt right. It was right. And if it didn't feel right, it probably wasn't. The third uh, step in the home buying process was the negotiating. And my top tip there was to understand the local market and be realistic with your offer 
I always say don't get your advice from some guy who bought a house last time in 1978 because I've been there uh, with people trying to get advice in that scenario or Uncle Charlie who bought five foreclosures in Vegas or HGTV or something like that. And then the fourth step was the pending process. So once you have an accepted offer, what goes on? And my top tip there was like, if you don't remember anything else, remember a home inspection is worth every penny. Or as I like to say, you don't have to get a home inspection, but I'll judge you if you don't. (laughs) Um, And then the last step in the process is this closing process what happens in closing and my top tip there was uh, that there are lots of little pieces that need to fall into place by a lot of different people and uh, patience is needed and you've gotten that far so we'll make it but the point I was trying to make here was that there are a lot of people doing a lot of things in the background that you don't realize Mm -hmm. at all and we're going to talk about 20 of them or so today Um, and and I think it's you know not that you need to be grateful to them or anything like that but just the simple fact that there's a lot going on in a transaction and so sometimes to keep that in mind helps kind of keep you calm that um you know, and sometimes it's confusing and you hear names and, and positions thrown out like, you know, the underwriter, the abstractor, the title exam, what, huh? And you, right. know, you don't really know what they are. So we're going to give you a high, high level overview of that. Um, you know, it's more that I think a lot of people just think it's your realtor and your lender. And of course, I think <clears throat> we're the linchpins. Yes, and yeah. I think this is perfect timing because I had someone who thought that my pre-approval that that was pretty much it, you know, like that done. That that I'm was pretty much it. All I need to do, and it never dawned on me. Uh, I mean, we talked about the process, but oh, yeah, yeah. but not like this. Like we're about to today on today's show. That the pre-approval but, is there's a lot more people that, that yes, need to take a look yes. at things. Cool. So that's what we're going to talk about today. So let's go ahead and go to our first break, and then we'll come back and uh, start talking. Uh, you're listening to Real Real Estate Today, your home for smart real estate. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Are you interested in buying or selling a home? Not sure what the next step is? Deb can help. Go to realrealestatetoday.com and click on Start Here. You'll be asked a few simple questions and Deb will personally contact you to help answer your real estate questions and connect you with a realtor in her personal nationwide network of realtors. So even if you aren't in Deb's service area, you're guaranteed to find a good match wherever you are. Visit realrealestatetoday.com. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. You count. Tune into Inner Revolutionary Radio and join the spontaneous wave of people all over the planet who, like you, are changing our world from the inside out. 
Follow the movement. Meet guests who are shaking things up. Call in and gain insights and courage to empower your own voice. Large or small, your part counts. So join us. Co-hosted by Beth Green and James Maynard, Inner Revolutionary Radio airs live every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com. are listening to real real estate today to reach deb tomorrow or with questions and comments about the show please send an email to deb at real real estate today.com that's deb at real real estate today.com now back to this week's program all right welcome back this is real real estate today i am your host deb Tomorrow, to make my mother happy, I will spell that for you, T-O-M-A-R-O. She says, spell it so people can find you. And you can always email me at deb at realrealestatetoday.com. I'm happy to answer any questions you might have. But today we're talking about the village. It takes a village to raise a child. It takes a village to buy or sell a home. So we were talking about who those villagers are, or as Rachel would like to say, the village people. Yes. Who our village like people that. are. As I started working through the list, uh, usually these shows start while I'm driving somewhere and I use a voice recorder and start to like record down like ideas. And I sort didn't of bullet, know that about you. Yeah, bullet okay. point lists and things. That's why my phone is always at capacity. <laughs> if you need a tip on how to clear some memory space on your iPhone, I've got a tip for you because I'm a queen at that. But anyways, and you know, I thought, okay, I'm just going to have like five or eight people or something and we'll just talk about that. And I think at the end, I probably have 20 Um and there are probably lots, lots more. Some of them are sort of generalizations where there may be several people doing, uh, you know, performing a function. But anyways, uh, you know, it's kind of like the 180 steps. <laughs> it's not meant to overwhelm you um, or make you feel like it's all too complicated. That's not, that's my fear of this show. I don't want you to feel like buying a home is too complicated. It's just meant to educate you and, uh, and I guess show you all the people who are rooting for you. Because everybody in that transaction wants it to close. Nobody, except maybe the underwriter, but we'll talk about that later. (laughs) Um, That's not always the case. And, you know, and it also is just meant to kind of show you um, sometimes why you do need some patience and why there's a lot of moving parts, a lot more moving parts than you think. But if you have the right people behind you, it will go smoothly. So the first few that I wanted to talk about are kind of on the real estate side of things. So one is obviously, you know, my number one, obviously, the realtor. I know you're doing your uh, your my princess per- way. Yeah, your princess way. So you know the realtor and really the lender. Those are kind of the two point people, I think, in the whole transaction, and they tend to be like the conductor uh, for everyone else. So you know, I love analogies, and they're always really, really bad. And don't make sense to anybody except me. No, we get it. Rachel and I get get your analogy. <laughs> but everyone else out there? Hey, everyone else, no. The famous, we may have to vi- revisit the famous cereal box analogy uh, next week as part of our one-year radioversary. Um, but anyways, the uh, the analogy is, so when I was in high school, I don't know if you knew this about me, I was in marching band, and I was the drum major. How did I not know that? I was you in marching band. Where are you? How did I not know that? <laughs> what did you play? A saxophone. Really? Yes. Interesting. Well, I played the bassoon, which is a classical. That's even more interesting. Double reed instrument. And uh, you can't march with a bassoon. So uh, starting my sophomore year, I was drum major. I'm 
I don't know. Maybe they. I need... was never. There's no way. Yeah. Okay. Well, I was. Only really... smart people were the drum majors. I don't know about that. But anyways, when a lot of times when you are the drum major, there's usually a couple of them in a marching band. And sometimes you have one on one side of the field and one on the other side of the field. Mm-hmm. Because the people that are marching are sort of spinning around in different directions and you got to keep everyone together. So that's my analogy or my visual, right? This is why you and I work so well together because you were in marching band and we are conducting this whole... I, I get your analogy. You get it? I All do. Right. All right. You haven't gonna, even finished it. I, uh, I have it. I got I it. I will have to post some fabulous pictures of me as drum major. I actually had crazy outfits to wear. I had... Um, they dressed me more like the flag corps people. Yes. Yeah, like you had to wear a skirt. People. I had a dress. Yeah, I had to wear... It had no back. Like, That's, it was a backless dress. What kind of school did you go to? Mm, yeah, okay. inner city. Um, and <laughs> uh, and it was it had some sheer in the front, like, here on the chest. I mean, it wasn't, like, vulgar. And then I had this, like, black hat with these feathers and there were sequins <laughs> okay. everywhere. We have to dig out the <sighs> photos out of the vault oh because I just remember, just FYI, just back in the day, we would go on these uh, – to game, you know, football games or yeah. whatever, and it'd be outside. We'd no, be oh, freezing. freezing, freezing. That's what I'm envisioning. Freezing. You, we with had your one back out. Uh-huh. <laughs> we had one competition at Westfield, and at that year there were three drum majors. There was two other guys, and as soon as we were done competing, everybody could change except the drum majors because we would have to go out and you know for the word presentations and so I went back to the bus and just huddled on the bus by myself in the dark because I was so cold and then kept trying to listen for when the they were doing the announcements and I thought I was like late I was running and then I just told the guys I'm like stand as close to me as possible because I my I, my sleeves were sheer too like my arms were sheer oh we need to figure this out for next week's show but I bet we were in competition together we probably did what class were you in a b do you remember a we were A one year, a couple years, and B one a couple years. Okay. We digressed. I'm sorry, I know listeners. we totally digressed. Jeez Louise. Show's over. Thanks for listening. No. Bye-bye. And this has been Marching Band Hour. Well, you know what else is crazy? I'm going to digress again. I found somebody posted a video, like a friend of a friend of a friend, and somehow I stumbled on it last week, of a show choir performance, because I was also in show choir. Uh, I was show choir performance. And I was like, and I have a pretty good memory. I was like, I don't remember that song at all, but I'm my mouth is moving in the picture in the video, so crazy. Okay, <laughs> walk down memory lane. That was like five years ago. All right, so realtor, conductor, got it. All right, we're here. So I think a lot of people think, uh, and sometimes you know, I think realtors are guilty. I've heard people say this. My realtor didn't do anything once I got the accepted offer. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on that we don't necessarily inform the client yeah. that you're doing every right 180 steps we don't necessarily right. you know call on every single little thing in fact i have a spreadsheet my my brilliant organizational system haha um i have google docs so i can access it from my phone or on the computer or whatever and i have a spreadsheet that whenever i have a pending transaction it has all the steps and i kind of check them off as i go along because it's the only way to kind of keep yourself organized now your realtor may also have a team so you may hear things like a transaction coordinator or a buyer's agent or something like that and those are all people in your transaction too and remember that most of the time there are two realtors involved the buyer's agent and the listing agent depending um you know every once in a while there's just one agent but usually it's two and then each of those agents work for a brokerage and some brokerages are small and some are large and if they're larger they've got a managing broker um so that's someone that's the realtor's kind of boss 
and so ultimately that managing broker is working for you as well. So that's all, those are all terms that you might hear as well. Sometimes it's just a one-person show, but sometimes there are some extensions in the real estate office. Um, some other just sort of random, you know, some people use stagers when they're listing a house. So that could be a person that's involved in the transaction who's helping to come in and uh, prepare the home for sale and, uh, you know, help arrange things. Um, photographers, sometimes your realtor may take photos for your listing. We've all seen those photos. Yeah, sometimes mm-hmm. people should hire <coughs> I'm someone else. So, so tired of seeing sideways photos in the MLS. It drives me batty. Not to mention toilet seat being up don't even get me started I thought that was just me it's horrible horrible anyways other people like me use a professional photographer since selling a home is like online dating yeah you want to present the best side right exactly (laughs) and then people show up and go this doesn't look anything like the online picture um, and then there's also a showing scheduler. So if you're if you're the seller, you may deal with a person or an entity to schedule your showings. Like for example, we use a showing service, which is really cool. Um, that you know we can log online and request showings, um, and then those people will call the seller um, to you know to approve the showings. Others you may deal directly with your realtor, or some companies may have an online scheduler that works for the office. So those are just sort of some of the random things, uh, random um, people that are involved in the real estate transaction, uh, just from the realtor perspective and, and the listing perspective. I really want to spend a lot of time talking about the lender side of things because that's where I think the mystery people. We are. have a bunch of mystery people on our a side. Bunch of mystery people. Yep. So obviously, let's talk a little bit about you and your title. So you're a loan originator. I'm a loan originator, which means that I can actually discuss loan programs, interest rates, things like that. So if you're a licensed loan originator, depending on what type of company you work for, uh, you can do those things. But usually that is the person that's going to pull your credit and review that and see if you meet the preliminary uh, qualifications of a certain loan. And then you're kind of end up being the face of the loan side of the transaction. Um, Like the realtor kind of ends up being the face of. Yes. I'm the the point of contact. So uh, whatever's happening in the back behind the scenes on the loan, on the lending side, um, the borrower will probably only see the loan originator, possibly their assistant. Some companies allow loan processors to have customer contact. Mm -hmm. Others don't. Uh, But no, usually if they have any complaints or you know, happy comments, right. it comes to, to the loan originator. So is there ever, are there uh, scenarios where the loan originator is just a road, yeah. <laughs> originator takes the like application information and then it gets turned over to somebody else? That can happen too. So there are, just like with a real estate office, you can have a team. So okay. there could be a loan originator. Like I have some in my company where they uh, have so much production, uh-huh. let's say, you know, they uh, they do a lot of production each year that they do. They take the application or they get some key pieces and then their licensed loan assistant will then take over from there okay. and start to fine tune it before it touches the hands of a loan processor. Okay. But 
So that would be a great question to ask if you are meeting with lenders and trying to you know determine who would be a good fit. It's yes. just understanding. I don't think there's a right or wrong necessarily, um, but it's just having a good understanding of who, who you're going to be contacting. I think there's nothing more frustrating to a buyer or a seller than to be trying to contact someone to an- get a question answered and yes. you're not getting a response and maybe it's because you're not contacting the right person. Right. So most loan originators will let the buyer know, um, you know, like inter- at least name introductions or, or something to yeah. say, you may get an email from my loan assistant, you know, Jane Doe, you know, please respond that way. Cause you know, there's so much like spam and phishing attempts and stuff that if you don't know that that, com- that, that person actually works for your uh, loan company, then you may not respond to them. Right. And you don't want to hold up your, right. your loan process. And they're asking personal information <laughs> yeah. and you're like, oh, no, I'm not going to respond. All right. And so then these are some of the other positions. There's a processor. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about the specifics later. And an underwriter, right? Those are two different people. Yes. Okay. Sometimes there's a closer. Yes. Right. And then sometimes there's an audit or an like an auditor or an audit department. There, there's always okay. Yes, so we're gonna talk about that. Mm-hmm. And then there's investors. That is correct. All right. And then I wrote down that there's a lot of other positions. There's a girl who works for your company. I love her name, Hannah Music. Mm-hmm. That's yes. the best name ever, Hannah Music. It is the best. And name. she has a, like a very specific job that she does. Yes. Uh, which is chasing down some paperwork. Yes, on our, on our government yeah. loans. So some lenders will be set up to have you know even more specific um, things like that. And then the lenders are also in charge of managing the appraiser mm-hmm. in that process too. So when we come back to the next break, we're going to talk about what the heck an processor does and an underwriter and how they're maybe not that bad of people. We all say bad things about underwriters all the time. We blame everything on the underwriters because we never see them. I've never in my life met an underwriter. I know a lot of people I've never met an underwriter. I, I think they're phantoms. They're <laughs> no? They're not, no. Okay, have you met one? Yeah. You talked to him on the phone? Both. Okay, so you've, you've touched one's real life. Yes, real life. I've, I have come into contact with a real one. All right, well, we are going to stick glued to our seats during this break <laughs> so that we can hear Karen's meeting with a real-life underwriter. <laughs> stick around. We'll be right back. This is Real Real Estate Today, your home for smart real estate. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Are you interested in buying or selling a home? Not sure what the next step is? Deb can help. Go to realrealestatetoday.com and click on Start Here. You'll be asked a few simple questions, and Deb will personally contact you to help answer your real estate questions and connect you with a realtor in her personal nationwide network of realtors. So even if you aren't in Deb's service area, you're guaranteed to find a good match wherever you are. Visit realrealestatetoday.com. In the spirit of Have Couch, Will Travel, Dr. Carol Lieberman creates a haven of sanity in an increasingly insane world. Each day we are bombarded with news of events that have never crossed our wildest nightmares. Society is spiraling out of control and everyone is reeling from it. But now there's an answer. 
The best way to keep sane in this insane world is to tune in to Dr. Carol's Couch on Voice America. Dr. Carol, a certified media psychiatrist, will broadcast live from her Beverly Hills office every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific time. Call or log in and get help with whatever is sending you reeling whenever you need a soothing voice to calm and advise you. That's Dr. Carol's Couch every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific time here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Tune in to The Patricia Raskin Show on voiceamerica.com every Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time. This is the program that helps you turn obstacles into opportunities, challenges into solutions, and find answers to tough questions with the award-winning powerhouse voice of radio, Patricia Raskin. So tune in and call in to The Patricia Raskin Show, Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Real Real Estate Today. To reach Deb tomorrow or with questions and comments about the show, please send an email to Deb at RealRealEstateToday.com. That's Deb at RealRealEstateToday.com. Now, back to this week's program. Thank you so much for coming back after we spent half the last segment talking about marching band, which doesn't make us sound very cool. No, but that was forever. That was so long it ago. It was so fun, though. It was. You really did. We were talking about, you said your marching band um, played in the Macy's Day Yeah, parade. we went to Macy's Day Parade. That was pretty awesome. We never did anything like that, but we did go to um, Paris. And we marched in 1989 uh, in the American Salute to the French Bicentennial. And, uh, yeah, so we, yeah, that was fun. Good times. Okay, let's focus. Real estate. Mm-hmm. Uh, you were going to tell us what the heck a processor is. Oh, so, like, my processor at my company. Uh, so, our company, the processor is uh, definitely behind the scenes. Uh, they're not, you know, calling customers to, to chase paper is what we would say. is mm-hmm. like maybe, maybe the uh, I'm missing a bank statement or something, but that's something that I would get. The processor is pretty much just a second set of eyes on your loan file to make sure that you do have everything in there. They have a really good understanding of all the loan programs, what documentation the underwriter is probably going to want. Mm-hmm. Uh, they try to do their, like a, like a, I don't know what the, we call it scrubbing a file. Okay. The loan originator submits everything. The processors kind of scrubbing it and mm-hmm. like, I don't think you're going to need this or maybe you'll need this, but you know, just giving you a heads up on on what's going to happen. They're also working behind the scenes. They actually have contact with the underwriters, okay. uh, with the closers, title companies. Like we're all working together to Do get. Do they have all like the- special red phones they can pick up and call the underwriters because like the underwriters don't have. They don't, phones. but sometimes um, what I've heard is that a loan originator, a loan officer, can get kind of testy with an underwriter, which. Uh-huh. I typically don't do that. Right. I kind of use what you say, like your negotiations was not negotiations, but you never want to piss off an underwriter. Don't be an asshole. Um, But if you have a question, ask the question. But Mm -hmm. I feel like if you ask it the wrong way. But yeah, Yeah. so the underwriters are more likely to pick up a call from a processor than they wouldn't. Do the processors have to be licensed like a loan originator? They don't have to be. Uh But... uh, um, but some of them are you. If you have customer contact, uh, you're limited on what you can say to somebody. Okay, interesting. 
based on having a license. Okay. And but. then, okay, so then the underwriter. Now, Rachel, I sent Rachel an article. So I'm going to read this, and you can tell me if it's true or not. Okay. <clears throat> Uh, this was a Q&A and, and some information from the Truth About Mortgages uh, website. And it said, what, is a, what do under, mortgage underwriters do? Simply put, the underwriter's job is to approve, suspend, or decline your mortgage application. That's a general statement. Yeah. yeah. And then they say that there are the three C's of underwriting. Have you ever heard that? Yes. Okay. So it's... Uh, Credit reputation, so they're looking at your file based on credit reputation, which is your credit score. Credit worthiness. Okay. Your capacity, Mm -hmm. which is your debt-to-income ratio, as we talk about a lot, and your collateral, which is the property that you're borrowing on. So those are the three things that they are evaluating. So they're not just looking at your financial file. But they're also looking at the appraisal. They're looking, as we've talked about before, it's not just about approving you as the borrower, but also approving the property as collateral. And some companies have a separate appraisal underwriter. Okay. That when those appraisal reports come in, they they go through that with a fine-tooth comb. And that appraisal underwriter... It eliminates what a credit underwriter would have to do. Okay. So, so they just split that job in. They two. split that, yes. And that the appraisal underwriter is the one that says, mm, no, we need something that's less than two miles away from the house. Right. To yeah, compare that could be something, something like that. that they ask for. Awesome. Well, one of the things in this article, they did some Q&A, frequently asked questions, and a couple of them I thought were pretty funny. <laughs> Why do underwriters take so long? <laughs> And here is the guy's response. Hmm, I don't know. Because they're approving a six-figure loan amount uh, or seven to a complete stranger? I like this guy's response. I know. Like, mm. <laughs> the actual underwriting might not take that long, but the amount of available underwriters might be low. And so you could just be in the queue. And yes. I think that's something we've come across. I know we had something a couple of weeks ago we were working on for a client and we kept going, do we have approval yet? Do we have approval yet? And we were harassing the crap out of Karen. <laughs> and she was like, it's with the underwriter. It's in queue. And it took a couple of days to get yeah. to queue because how dare the underwriter go home and have dinner with their family. Um, a clean loan file will get approved faster and with fewer conditions. So get it right before the underwriter even sees it, which is what your goal is. Yes, that's what I do up front. But to answer that question, if you think about um, a car mechanic, mm-hmm. you know, there's some car, there's some places that just specialize in certain vehicles because there's so much that they need to know about that sure. one type. Right. To me, it's the same with underwriting. Um, that's a good I, analogy, Karen. Okay, thank you. Mm-hmm. I learned from Deb. Yep. Uh, but, you know, the underwriter could be very well versed in all loan programs. And across the board, and there's a lot to, to remember, student loans, yeah. uh, how they calculate, you know, all these random things. And so it, it may take a little bit longer uh, than, than what people think, just because there are so many different guidelines and rules. Here was another question they asked, are underwriters warm and friendly? <laughs> I don't know that why that's a question on this article, but I thought it was hysterical. The answer was they can be if you don't rub them the wrong way. Uh, this person says, I look at mortgage kind of like the DMV. Show up with the right paperwork and a good attitude, and you'll get it in and out before you know it. Do the opposite at your peril. 
I would probably concur with that person. I'd because say it's like the Social Security office. I would say because I've never had any issues with any underwriters. Yeah. But I think that if you become that loan originator that has, oh gosh, here comes sure. that person's name. They're almost anticipating that your file is going to be a hot mess. I wonder if they kind of put that file off to the side of like, oh, I'm going to go ahead and take a break now. I, You'd that, like to think they wouldn't, but come on, we're human beings. That could easily happen. Yeah, yeah. I have no, but I have no idea because yeah. they tried to right. present a clean file. It's interesting. Um, I was uh, answering some questions for somebody writing an, an article about realist, uh, for new realtors um, a couple of weeks ago. And my advice was be the realtor that all the other realtors want to work with. Mm-hmm. Like, don't forget that piece of the pie. We're always looking at catering to our clients, but it goes a long way to everyone having a good experience and our clients having a good experience. So it's kind of the same way. Be the, be the lender that your <laughs> underwriter wants to work with. That and two, then, you know. Then you also won't have realtors saying, okay, I don't think I can send you business anymore because you're just a hot mess at the the front end. Exactly. All right. So we've got the loan originator who takes the application and gathers the information, the processor who cleans up the file and makes sure that it's as tight as possible, who then sends it to the underwriter who reviews it Mm -hmm. for creditworthiness, collateral, and capacity. capacity, thank you, to see if it fits within the guidelines. And then if all is well, it moves on to a closer. Yeah, we're skipping a couple steps, but yes. Okay. Yeah, so underwriter does, let's say, a final approval, and yeah. then it goes to a closing department where the person is working up the final loan package that will be signed at closing. Yeah. And typically, and we're going to talk in the next segment um, about the title company and what their function is because that's another group of people who are doing a lot of stuff that you don't realize. Mm-hmm. But the closer is who is in communication with the title company. Correct. Um, making sure that all of the paperwork is available and all that good stuff. So I skipped over the audit department. Does that happen before the closer? Um, it's happening like simultaneously okay. as the closer is working on the package. But an audit department is looking through everything just to make sure nothing was missed by all the previous hands. Okay. So, uh, And so that's just someone that that's their sole job. That is their sole job. Uh-huh. Quality control. Mm-hmm. Sounds boring, doesn't it? Not if you're not if you love that. I used to do that. Really? Mm-hmm. So you just get a stack of files on your desk every day and you just start to thumb through them and... Check we off. had a we had a percentage of files that I would have to go in yeah. when I was in compliance. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. That I loved it, but yeah. You just you test a sample. Yeah. You know. Interesting. <laughs> I know you're learning so much about it. I know, I know. Um, and then the one thing, too, is that we didn't talk about, but you you might hear about, because I know Karen talks about it a lot with her clients, is this idea of, you know, investors. Mm-hmm. That And I know we've talked about this on shows before, that uh, the when you make the loan, the lender doesn't keep that loan. They sell it off to an investor so that they can get more money to make more loans. And then the investors are hoping to make, you know, they're earning the interest off of that loan kind of thing. Um, and they are a player in this. They are a person that kind of has to go through or an entity that has to go through because they have to, your lender has to be comfortable that there is an investor out there willing to buy this loan. That is correct. And then certain loan programs may only be uh, available through a specific investor, which at that point, you have to, the underwriter has to follow the guidelines of that investor, not mm-hmm. just the loan program, yeah. but also the investor. 
Do they ever have conversations with the investor and say, hey, will you take this? They do. It's kind of a back and forth. Yeah. It's, uh, so they're anticipating that we're going to sell this loan after closing to this investor, but I want to make sure, I want to get them involved now and make sure that they're on board to buy it. That has happened on occasion, for yeah. sure. Yeah. Okay. Just to make sure that if that's a, something weird or unique is going on in a file, that there's... Uh, you know, that there is an outlet to right. sell that loan. Right. Okay. And then the other thing that the lender does that a lot of people don't understand is that they um, manage the appraisal through, there's a couple of layers there. So you're not allowed to talk to the appraiser. Nobody's really allowed to talk to the appraiser. We have to have a, an adequate amount of distance so that there's no undue influence. Mm-hmm. And so the loan companies partner with an appraisal management company. Yes. And they're the ones who talk to the appraiser what we call engage the appraisal. Yeah. So you put in an order saying I need such and such property appraised. I need Mm -hmm. it done by such and such a day that goes to the appraisal management company. And then they contact the appraisers that have been vetted through the company. Yes. Right. That is correct. And a lot of lenders anymore are now um, starting up or have, have ownership of their own appraisal management company because that allows if, if, if some companies, didn't and we just used a service that was out there we don't really know what appraiser is going to come mm-hmm. into our market mm-hmm. they could ha- they could have someone from you know 50 75 miles away come in right. and not really know our market here right. so most lenders have their own management company uh, so that we can keep appraisal appraisers local gotcha and then so that's sort of the the loan process in a nutshell um, and then I think most people know that there's an insurance agent, you know, because you need to get homeowner's insurance at some point in time. There's the home inspector. You might have a pest inspector. If you're in Pennsylvania, you might have a sewer line inspector named Randy. We <laughs> saw Randy last week when we were in uh, Pennsylvania. We were driving down the street and we saw this front yard all torn up. Randy's our friendly sewer inspector that we've been sucking up to in Pennsylvania because <laughs> we need to sell a house out there and you got to get the sewer line, the sewer inspector's Okay. And yeah, we saw him and I rolled down the window. I was like, Randy, he doesn't know who I am, but I feel like I know people now. Uh, Some people might have a survey. I don't think that surveys are typically required anymore. Do you know of any loans where they're required? Um, Just on one here recently, and it came up in a conversation that that this house, the garage is on the neighbor's property. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So only if there's an encroachment. Yeah. yeah, I think it used to be that they did surveys more often. When I bought my first house, I got a nice little survey, kind of a mortgage survey. I would say in all the transactions I've ever done, maybe one. Yeah. Maybe one time. But then some people choose to have a survey on their own, and that's completely fair. And then uh, attorneys, I mean, some people want to have an attorney involved or have an attorney review the contracts. You know, our our contracts are all written up by the Indiana Association of Realtors Attorneys. So, um, you know, there is kind of a realtor involved peripherally there. So, um, and I kind of went through that quickly because when we come back from break, I want to talk about title companies and what the heck they do. So stick around. You're listening to Real Real Estate Today, your home for smart real estate. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Are you interested in buying or selling a home? Not sure what the next step is? Deb can help. 
Go to realrealestatetoday.com and click on Start Here. You'll be asked a few simple questions and Deb will personally contact you to help answer your real estate questions and connect you with a realtor in her personal nationwide network of realtors. So even if you aren't in Deb's service area, you're guaranteed to find a good match wherever you are. Visit realrealestatetoday.com. What makes a great leader? Most have a vision, one that starts beyond the resources available and continues from that point into developing a solid plan, organization, and company. Leadership issues are discussed each week on VoltCast, illuminating leadership with host Jeff Smith. Jeff has years of experience as a leader and executive coach, and his guests will bring you information that can help a team of any size. Listen every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Variety. Why do some people seemingly make the same mistakes when it comes to love and relationships? What is the best way to find love? Make a visit each week to Destination Love. Host Shelly Pumphrey will bring what you need to know to find love. No, it's not about the next fad, dating site tips, scoring the first date, or looking your best. Rather, it's empowerment, knowing that your authentic self works best and the science behind finding love. Destination Love is live Wednesdays at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern, on Voice America Variety. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Real Real Estate Today. To reach Deb tomorrow or with questions and comments about the show, please send an email to Deb at RealRealEstateToday.com. That's Deb at RealRealEstateToday.com. Now, back to this week's program. All right, welcome back. This is our final segment where I talk really, really fast and try and squeeze in everything that I didn't get to because we were talking about marching band for half the show. So today we were talking about all the people in your neighborhood or the village, your village Mm -hmm. people that help you close a transaction. And one of the big ones that a lot of people, it's very mysterious to a lot of people, is the title company. Mm-hmm. Um, they kind of perform two functions. One is ensuring clear title, and then one is performing the closing. And I wanted to talk just a little bit about it, and I think we're going to do a future show about it because there's some really good stories um, and, and some really good information. But there are several different roles within the title company. They interact with both the realtor and the lender because the lenders always want to make sure that there's clear title um, on the pro- uh, on the property too. So one of the jobs is an abstractor or a searcher, and their job is to search the, the title. I say search the chain of title, but they're searching all the public records, documents. They go down to the courthouse. They look through everything to see if there's any clouds on the title is what we call it when something hasn't been transferred properly or there's a restriction that may, um, may impede the free transfer of the property. So that could be things like liens, unpaid taxes, unpaid water bills, unpaid plumber bill that gets put on the property as a lien. That could also be things like easements, deed restrictions, um, leases. We have a lot of oil and gas land leases uh, in in the neighboring counties, so that um, shows up as well. Um, I don't know if you have a different perspective on that. 
No, I no, I don't. Have we never person. see that. We never see the uh, searchers or abstractors. I see them if I go down to the courthouse. You kind of see them because they know their way around. Right. They act like they work there when <laughs> they don't work for the courthouse. They work for the title companies and they all hang out down there. Um, but you never see them like at the title companies or anything. They're all kind of in the background doing their thing. Um, and then there is a title examiner, and sometimes it's the same person. And they take all that information that the abstractor or the searcher has gathered, and then they look through it and they kind of decide if there's anything they should be concerned about, um, because what their goal is, is to provide you with an insurance policy that's ensuring clear title. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know a lot of people ask the question, you know, well, do, why do I need this title insurance, right? Right. I feel like that's an entire show. I think you should get someone from yeah. a title company. I'm working on that. Okay. I got that plan. But I wanted to just give a couple examples. I have this huge book that I printed out because I, I read the story in the Washington Post. And then all these people started commenting about their stories. And it's crazy. I've closed like almost 800 transactions. And I don't think I've ever had a client have to use title insurance. We came really, really close once with uh, some clients who had bought a bank-owned property. And when they went to sell it, uh, there was an issue. So all these people that are commenting on this article that you're about to talk about had something. Not all of them, but a lot of them, yeah. Oh, were wow. like, oh, I had this happen or I had that happen. So, and this one was really good, um, a really interesting story was that there was a gentleman who bought a property um, and he was really short on cash. And for whatever reason, uh, said Mr. Byer learned that the title company was going to conduct a full 60-year search of the land records, the court records, and bankruptcy courts. I mean, they do a really in-depth search. That's what we want. So he figured he could save a few hundred dollars by not buying an owner's policy. There was a lender's policy because the lenders require insurance uh, for them as well. And um, and I know most loans these days don't allow you to not have an owner's policy. Correct. But. In this case, they did. And so at closing, the buyer met the sellers, who were a nice middle-aged couple who had bought the home about 20 years earlier. And about a month after closing, there was a knock on the door. And this woman says, what are you doing in my home? Well, it turns out that the woman was actually Mrs. Seller, Mrs. Divorced Seller. And that the Mrs. Seller that was at closing was dun, dun, dun. a fraud, <laughs> yeah. exactly. Oh, my gosh. Dun, dun. <laughs> yes. Um, that, uh, who attended this closing and signed the deed, had some sort of fake ID, and was the ex-husband's new wife. Oh, my goodness. And that 20 years ago, uh, well, they had bought the house, Mr. and Mrs. Seller, and then they um, got divorced, and she moved to Nevada, and as part of the divorce settlement, they agreed that Mr. Seller could remain in the home and pay all the expenses, including the mortgage. But when the house was sold, both parties would split the proceeds. So mm-hmm. that was the agreement at the time. Um, but it was uh, recorded over in Nevada. And for some reason, the title company didn't catch that. Oh, gosh. And, uh, yeah, there wasn't really anything that, that that he could do about it. Like, she was part owner of the property so there's a lot of examples like that there was some examples too of like new construction new neighborhoods where the um, legal descriptions didn't end up matching what was actually built on there was one story of everybody owned their next door neighbor's house oh my basically and the people who were like you know owned a nicer house were happy about it and the people who you know owned a less expensive house were not so happy about it nightmare and a huge mess 
Title insurance covers you in those cases. They bring out the lawyers to do the fighting and clear everything up for you. If you don't have that, you will lose your shirt. Mm -hmm. So the few hundred dollars that it costs is well, well worth it. So you have the abstract or the searcher who's supposed to be catching those things. They're looking at the legal description, making sure the house is where it's supposed to be. And then the examiner and the insurer, they're providing the insurance um, for that. The other role at the title company is the closer, and that's the person who actually does the closing. So here's a story I always use in my home buyer class, and people look at me like I'm crazy. So I'm going to use it again. And that is, have you seen the movie The Hangover? Really maybe, good movie, right? Maybe. I know you have. Okay, so times. when they go out into the desert, because they've got the $80,000 that they're going to swap out for Doug, uh, who's been kidnapped by uh, Leslie. What's his name? Leslie. Um, anyways. Uh, so they go out, and they're, like, sitting in the desert with the cars facing each other, and they're like, what do we do? Flash your lights at them, you know. And so they get out of the car, but then they're like, I don't want to give them the money without seeing Doug first, but they don't want to give Doug unless they know the money's there. And so there kind of becomes this tension because what do you do? How do you make that hostage exchange? In a closing, it's the same situation. You've got the house. You've got the money. I've had clients who don't want to wire the money to the title company until they see the signed deed. But do you think the seller wants to sign the deed until they know that the money's there? No. So we bring in this title company who's a neutral third party. They aren't working for anybody, and yet they're working for everybody. And they are making sure that the terms of the contract are enforced and that uh, all the money channels through them. And so they're going to ensure that the mortgage gets paid off. Imagine that. What if um, you give the seller the money and then they don't go pay their mortgage off? Exactly. That could be a problem. Yes. So the title company is going to make sure, the closer there is going to make sure that that gets done, that if there's any you know taxes that need to be paid, anything like that um, is going to be paid. And so that's what that closer does. They are a really, really important part that you see for about an hour. <laughs> but without them, um, it would be hard to, uh, hard to get the transaction closed. So as an aside, the, the whole concept of this title insurance is a really good example of why it's good to stay in touch with your realtor or your lender because chances are you're probably not going to remember the name of your title company or know where your title insurance policy is. They give that to you. Nobody knows where it is. Um, But uh, your realtor or your lender can help you track down that information even if it's several years later if you need to because I have had to do that a few times Mm -hmm. too. Um, And then there are also, you know, after the fact, there are things like your county recorder who records the deed. Um, The title company actually takes the deed down to the courthouse and records that. And the auditor is someone you're going to see about um, filing property tax exemptions probably. So there's a lot of people. I think that was about 24 people or Mm -hmm. so. uh, And there are more but that's just sort of a highlight of all the people in your village, in your neighborhood. Clear as mud? Yes. Song's going to be stuck in my head forever. All right. Well, I think that wraps it up for another show. Be sure to tune in next week because God knows what's going to happen. No. One-year radioversary. Yeah, that's a that's a big deal. Yeah. And who's in charge of bringing the butterscotch schnapps? Because um, the dust drawer's been out for a couple weeks, and yeah, yeah. we'll have to get on that. All right. Uh, I think that's it. You got anything else? Any more marching band stories you want to tell? No marching band stories. No? Okay. Maybe I'll have a photo next week. Oh, yes. We'll bring some photos for sure. All right. Well, thank you for tuning in. Um, If this show had good information for you, you might check out our other shows that are on voiceamerica.com or uh, you can download them on iTunes. Pop them in the car and drive all the way to Los Angeles and back. It's uh, tons and tons of hours of good information there. Uh, We will be back next week for another show, uh, Real Real Estate Today, your home for smart real estate. 
Thank you for tuning in to Real Real Estate Today. Please join your host, Deb Tomorrow, for another edition every Tuesday at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until next week, take care of your home. It's one of your most important assets. 